this man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever. Oh, no. What is up, Lakers Nation? Welcome to another episode of Basketball Reasons. I am your host, Charles Diamond, the Black Bruce Wayne, but you can call me Rick for short. Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast, uh, Hoops of the Hoops Head Podcast, Mr. Abu Kamara. Abu, say what's up to the people. What is up, Basketball Reasons? I'm glad to be on here. It's second episode, too. I, got, I made it in early. Made it in. He's an early adopter. That's the that's the tech speak. That's the startup speak for it. Early adopter of basketball reasons. Uh, Laker Nation, I thought it was only fitting. You know, last time we talked about Chris Paul, we talked about the veto. Uh, that was sort of the, the, the origin of this current era of Los Angeles Lakers front office transaction. So I thought we went to the near past. Why don't we take it to the near future and, and talk about my man, one of the best two-way players in the league, future Los Angeles Laker, YG Trace, Paul George. Now, it might get a little contentious in here uh, <laughs> during this episode of Basketball Reasons because Mr. Kamara himself happens to be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan, and uh, I think he might be a, a, a little in denial about where Paul George is headed this summer. But hey, you know, he's loyal. Everyone's loyal to their team. So how can you blame him? You know what I mean? Um, you, before we get too deep into it, Abu, just just give the people, uh, give, give the people a little sense of of uh, when you started watching basketball, you know, why OKC is your favorite team, and, and so on and so forth. All right. Um, so when I first really got it, like, I, I'd always like, watch basketball. I played basketball a little bit. But I really got into basketball um, around 2012. So around when uh, it was when LeBron was going against, actually, OKC in the finals, and they lost. And even though they lost, I kind of liked that they, were, you know, they had a bunch of young guys that were hungry. They were coming back and come for more. I mean, I didn't know they were going to trade James Harden and all that afterwards. But that's when I really, you know, first got into basketball, and that's the team I kind of was drawn to. And after that, even when we, like, like lost Kevin Durant and all these trades and stuff been happening, I just kind of stuck with it because I am a big Russell Russell fan, and I, I trust in Sam Presti to keep building a team that can compete. Wow, that was beautiful. I'm going to make a very politically incorrect comparison right now. So, Lakers Nation, I apologize, and Abu, I apologize as well. But you, you, you fell in love with OKC when they were at their height against at the in the finals against LeBron James and the villainous Heat, and then you slowly saw your front office chip away at the talent base <laughs> in the roster. That's sort of like asking out the head cheerleader at prom, and then finding out she's got like three kids and. And, like, lives in the trailer park with her mom. That's wrong. I said it was going to be politically incorrect. But I think that's a fair assessment. Can, can I get a little love on that? I'll give you that. That was a good one. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. That was off the top of the note. I didn't have that planned, by the way, Laker Nation. But, anyway, I'm getting off traffic tra- track, excuse me, as I'm prone to. So, here, here's what we're going to do here. Before we get into the debate, before we get into the contention, uh, I just want to talk about Paul George as a player. You know, why I like him, uh, what, what a booze scene. Uh, what what he's liked uh, as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, and then and then after that, uh, we're we're gonna get into uh, the nitty gritty. You know, why would he leave uh, Oklahoma City for the Lakers? Cough cough. Or why would he stay? Um, after we ascertain the reasons why he would in fact leave, we're gonna talk about hey, are there any trade packages that Sam Preston, the Oklahoma City Thunder, would take this February if things took a downturn, or if they just don't didn't want to leave. I'm sorry, lose Paul George for nothing as they did with Kevin Durant. And uh, I thought it'd be nice to end on the trade packages because then we can sort of agree on something after we disagree for about 20 minutes on number two. Um, So for one, 
Abu, give me a sense. You know, what's it been like watching Paul George this year as a member of the Oklahoma City Thunder? What have you liked? What have you disliked? Oh, uh, all right. So watching Paul this year, like I had you know, seen Paul competing as LeBron um, when he was a member of the Pacers. I seen Paul in the playoff, playoff Paul George, you know, just take over for the Pacers a lot of times. Um, so I knew he was a great scorer. And I knew he, can, he could defend and he had the size and speed to do it. But I think I underestimated um, just how good of a defender Paul George really is. Like he's like leading the NBA in steals this year. He's just always looked very engaged on defense. He's blocking the ball. He's just even when he's not getting those certain counting stats, he's making it. You feel his impact on the defensive side of the ball. So even when the shot hasn't really been going in, I really love his engagement and just activity level and impact on the defensive side of the ball. In a way, I feel like he sort of had the same blessing that Kevin Durant has had, where you go to a different team and the offense of your new team is a little self-sufficient. Uh, they, they already have their identity, even in Oklahoma City's case, it's a very strange identity that I'm not exactly in favor of, but they already have their identity. So you get to save a little bit of your energy and you get to do the th- do one of the things that you you sort of haven't had the energy to do as much because you've been so focused on the offensive end, and that's defend at a high level. You see that with KD, you know. Uh, with the blocks he's averaging, you know, uh, being just literally a rim protector as a as a sharp shooting three, uh, it's kind of crazy. And you're seeing just like you said with Paul George, sort of getting back to his roots as a, as a lockdown defender. It's cool. It's cool to see. Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it does. It has helped that he has like Russell Westbrook and other guys who handle the ball, and so he can focus that energy a little bit more. So I'm with you on that. And then, yeah, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, you can add on your your thought there before I. I got something else to say about his offense, but I'll I'll let you go first. I was actually going to go ahead and switch to offense, so go ahead. Oh, okay. I was going to say another thing. I remember when I used to watch Paul George a lot, I felt like he relied a lot on mid-range and, and threes, and he still is a great mid-range shooter and a three-point shooter. But I've been seeing this year that he's been a little bit more – he's been looking to you know take people off the dribble and attack the basket a little bit more um, and get into the paint, which I like to see. Um, been willing to you know, get a little aggressive. He hadn't really been getting the foul calls, which I, I'm not really sure why that is, but he has been getting into the paint with regularity. Uh, so I really like that as well. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. This is sort of my first tangent of today's pod. I, I I understand that the Warriors shoot a lot of threes. I understand that the Rockets shoot a lot of threes. Uh, and their, their personnel is well suited to that. But I think a lot of teams get into trouble. For example, like my Los Angeles Lakers, get into trouble trying to play the pace and space game when you don't have the personnel for that. You know, a lot of teams don't have the right shooters for that. And I feel like that's exactly what Larry Bird wanted Nate McMillan to do uh, back when Paul George was on the Pacers is just turn into this three-point shooting team. Um, and I think Paul George has the ability to do that. He's one of the best catch-and-shoot players in the league, in my personal opinion. But I feel like, you know, when you emphasize or or, or – or give, you know, increased significance to the three-pointer, what you do is you marginalize drives. You marginalize getting to the paint. You marginalize dribble penetration. And dribble penetration is the one thing that breaks down the defense best to kick out those open threes. So it's good to see that uh, that Paul George is is doing that, um, especially because, you know, he's going to be the the, the the impetus for our offense next year in L.A. So sorry, sorry, <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't want to – I don't want to get too into like ranking players, but I, I fully believe Paul George is, a, is at least a top 25 player in this league. I mean, I, I currently believe he's I, I don't want to be blasphemous here, but he's he's like Kawhi Light. You know, he's a two way player who's a, an elite three point shooter and a fantastic one on one defender. Like he's obviously not on Kawhi's level, but he, he's Kawhi Light with increased ball handling skills. And that's. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on that. I, I think Paul George is definitely 
um, in the top 25 easy to me. Um, and I do think he's similar to Kawhi, but I, I think Kawhi, I'm not, I don't know the numbers on the top of my head, their field goal efficiency, but I feel like Kawhi is like a little bit more efficient version of Paul George, at least from the field. I don't know about three points. No, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, um, but I, I would, off, off intuition alone, I would go ahead and agree with that. I think part of that, obviously, is the fact that Kawhi Leonard plays for the Spurs. You know, he plays in a system that is focused on ball movement, focused on getting the best shot, not necessarily just a good shot. Um, versus Paul George, maybe not this year. Oh, actually, I'd say even more this year, to be honest with you. But he's been, at least on Oklahoma City, I'm sorry, at least on Indiana, he's been sort of the main option on offense, having to take a lot more shots uh, than Kawhi Leonard would necessarily have to take. Um, and, and even so on Oklahoma City this year, you know, they don't do a lot of off-ball movement. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. And now that I'm looking at the stats, you're completely correct. For this year specifically, Kawhi's effective field goal percentage is 54.7. Paul George's is 51.4. Granted, you know, that's that's a little skewed because Paul George yeah. has played 33 games. Kawhi's played five. Uh, <laughs> but but no, it, and you could you could probably look in the past years and that's that's the same thing. So that's a that's a good point. Yeah, um, I, I'll give Paul George a little bit of a pass for this season because, you know, OKC is still figuring it out. So they're, all their numbers are efficiency are kind of down. But I think in general, I, I think you're almost on the money when you say it's Kawhi Light, just with a little bit uh, more ball handling, a little less efficiency. Yeah, and I think, that's a, I think that's a healthy trade-off in all honesty. You know, I think if Kawhi Light played uh, in a system that wasn't the mysticism of San Antonio, I, th- I think you'd see him put up similar efficiency numbers. Um, and I think if Paul George, you know, didn't go to teams where, you know, isolation ball was one of the main ways they initiated their offense, I think you'd see him be a little more efficient as well. Um, you, you alluded to something there, though, and it's an excellent segue uh, into our, our the next stage of our discussion. You alluded to something there about Oklahoma City still figuring it out, and, and 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 I'll be honest, they've looked they've looked pretty pretty damn good o- over the over the course of the past few weeks. They've been on a, a bit of a tear here, and they're really they're really turning it around, um, which is unfortunate to me because I wanted them to lose every single game until February, because um, I wanted Sam Presti to be like, oh, it looks like we got to trade him now, um, but it it doesn't exactly look like that's the case. But when you say they had, they're still figuring it out, you know. What, what do you mean by that? I know it's it's still a lot of rust, you know, getting triple doubles, hunting for triple doubles. It's still a lot of isolation. But, you know, from an outsider's perspective, it looks like there's not enough ball movement. It looks like whenever Russ passes, he stands there and he doesn't really get involved in the offense. Is that what you're talking about? Has that been an issue? Um, yeah, well, part of the issue has been I think they're running a lot of – they are running a lot of isolation plays, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I saw somewhere that the Rock is also like a, very, a team that's very high up in isolation. It's just that James Harden's been doing it at such a high level that it's been working out. It's just they're running a lot of isolation and not really getting, you know, good results. Like they're having mellow post trying to post up. It's not really working. They're Russ was, uh, for a while. Russ was was really having trouble finishing around the basket, so their efficiency was really low there. Um, and so I feel like they were just running a lot of ISO instead of instead of moving the ball and getting easy shots. And I think that's something that they're starting to switched up a little bit in the past couple of weeks. Carmelo's been able to commit a little bit more to being a spot-up shooter and being able, making an extra pass. Um, and, and Russ the same way. I'm actually looking for – that's one thing I will say. I'm looking for PG. I don't know if it's kind of the way they run the system. I actually would like them to let Paul George do a little bit more playmaking because he has shown he can do that. And I think they need to – for the, the team to be its best, I think they also need to be a little more comfortable putting ball in Paul's hands and letting Paul make some plays as well. You know, we knew this was going to be an issue. 
uh, in in the offseason when Carmelo and Paul George got traded to the Thunders, that they're three ball-dominant players. They're three players who like to have the ball in their hands. I, I don't necessarily buy into that being an issue all the time. Um, as you can see with, with James Harden and Chris Paul, you know, they're two ball-dominant players too, but they're both two engaged players. And I think the main issue that we all thought, well, we all being NBA fans, thought was going to happen and, and plague the Thunder over the course of the season was that Paul George is an engaged player. Um, he usually has to be because he's the, usually the focal point of an offense on his previous teams. But Russell Westbrook is not as engaged when he's not the main action. And Carmelo Anthony, I'm, do I even need to say that out loud? Um, you know, he tends to he tends to. St- now, I'm not a Carmelo hater at by all by any stretch of the imagination, but he tends to stop the ball. <laughs> he tends to do his multiple jab steps and, and pull up uh, from the one off the one dribble mid range. And you know, it's it's hard to design an offense around a player who stops the ball like that and then another player in Russell Westbrook who tends to tends to disappear from the offense if he's not in in the main action um so I, I think you're right uh that Paul George sort of needs to have a little bit more ball handling responsibility but that's a tough task for Billy Donovan to to figure out how to engage Carmelo and Russ when when PG's got the ball and I feel like maybe that's one of the reasons why PG doesn't have the ball as much because you know even if he doesn't have the ball he's going to run off screens he's going to set off screens uh he's going to go go into off ball action and, and find open shots without the ball and also help other people get involved and, and you don't necessarily know if that's going to happen with Russell Westbrook off the ball or Carmelo Anthony off the ball yeah, that's definitely true. I think they both are kind of set in their ways because they, you know, played a certain way their whole career. And I, so I think that really is, we got to put the onus on Billy Donovan. Um, you know, Sam Presti and the organization, I think I've shown a lot of trust in him when a lot of people are calling, when the Thunder start off bad, a lot of people are calling for maybe a changing coach and they kind of stuck with him, um, through these paths this year and last year. And so I think he's, uh, kind of find a way to, he's trying to, you know, manage personalities and I think he's doing an admirable job of that. But I think as the year progresses, he's got to continue to, try to you know, talk to these players and get them to buy into the system. Because when you buy into that system, that's when their ceiling is at its highest. Yeah. All right. Two quick, two quick tangents before we switch gears. One, thank God Twitter is not in charge of hiring and firing NBA coaches because no NBA coach would have a job for more than two months. Like Billy Donovan got two high usage players, new <laughs> high usage players on his team where his previous offense was give the ball to this guy and let him run up and down the court as much as possible. And he want and people want him fired. Like give the man some time to figure it out. I, I never understand that. As a Lakers fan, it's tough because half of Laker Nation wants to fire Luke Walton right now uh, because the team is dispirited and no there are plenty of reasons why the team should be dispirited that have nothing to do with Luke Walton although you know his rotations still leave a lot to be desired I had to take it slow there just in case anyone didn't understand what I was saying yes he has some work to be done Uh, tangent number two you mentioned Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony being stuck in their ways and yeah that's completely true and I'll be the first to admit it I also think people need to be careful when we talk about uh, these players being stuck in their ways because it's like man yeah, Russell Westbrook is stuck in his ways, but his ways kind of just got him an MVP and like four hundred trillion dollars. Like I'd be stuck in my ways too. Melo got kind of got stuck in his ways, but it got him la la being the star in New York for six years and a little, little billion dollars. Like I understand why players are so hesitant to change, uh, but that does make it tough uh, when they go to a new situation and they have to adjust. So. Uh, that that was a nice conversation. I think that was a good, uh, wide-reaching conversation, very harmonious. Uh, but now it's time to get to the nitty-gritty. We're going to talk about, one, why would he leave versus why would he stay? Um, All right. I was a guest on, on the Hoops Head podcast uh, where I, I made a statement that 
Mr. Hoops himself, Mr. Kamara, <laughs> did not precisely agree with, and I stated that I am 85% sure Paul George is leaving to come to the Lakers, which was met with laughter, giggles, chuckles, and scoffs. <laughs> and that's why I would just like to hear a, a, a straight up and down explanation, not an explanation, just an, an exposition, if you will, for why Paul George would stay with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The floor is yours, sir. All right. Well, well first, I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not necessarily saying he's going to stay with the Thunder. I'm just not sure he's going to go to the Lakers. Ah, uh, yes, yes. A nice disclaimer. Now continue. <laughs> but um, if he was to stay with the Thunder, why he would stay with the Thunder? Because they have high-end talent in Ross and Carmel Anthony. And the bench is a little thin, yes. Um, but I think the way the NBA is looking currently, um, you it's, it's important that you have other superstars around you to compete with those juggernaut uh, up in Golden State. And so I think he's going to look at that and look at what kind of legacy he can build if he's able to win and, and compete um, in this Western Conference against those Warriors. And and I know, again, the, the, as I said, the bench is going to be very hard to fill out. But, I again, if you trust, I trust Sam Presti to fill in the mar- work around the margins and try to find some high-end role players um, to, to keep them competitive. With all due respect, the bench isn't just thin. The bench is thin like Kate Moss before breakfast. Like, there's a very small chance of them being able to fill out the bench. But I don't even want to talk about the bench. I want to talk about what you said uh, about you you insinuated that Paul George, his main motivation uh, for whatever team he's going to next is to defeat the Warriors. Would Would you say that you feel that way? You believe that? Yeah, I think Paul George is a winner. I think he wants to win. And I, I was hoping you would say that, actually. You said that you think Paul George is a winner. I also believe that Paul George is a winner. However, I would argue that because of the the general public narrative about rings defining characters, I'm, I'm sorry, defining players, and because of you know LeBron James leaving situations to go get rings and Kevin Durant leaving situations to go get rings, and 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 the way in which they did that, and, and the way in which they were able to orchestrate that themselves, that fans have a, a sort of a not unrealistic but but a but a clouded view of how players want to win rings, and I don't think. I'm not going to say that I don't think, but I I have reasonable doubt to believe that Paul George would want to stay in Oklahoma City to build a championship culture there. Why, you might ask. One, because, and no disrespect to Oklahoma City or to Oklahoma City's fans, but why? Why Oklahoma City? What is so special about that city, that state, and that organization that would make Paul George want to stay with Mr. Triple Double and Mr. Jab Step himself. Now, uh, you talk about, well, before before I even get further into why would he stay with those two players, let's take a look at those two players. Uh, granted, it's only been a few months, but I don't know what reasoning Carmelo Anthony has to stay other than the fact that if he opts into his player option, he's going to make $27 million. Now, that's $27 million reasons right there. But if he opts into his option, the Thunder have zero cap flexibility if they want to re-sign Paul George. They they have no space to sign. I don't even think they have like the room exception because they have no cap room. All they have is maybe like you know minimum contracts. I, I'm not exactly. I'm not extremely well versed in the in the CBA, but they might have like the mid level exception or, or the biannual exception, which is like you know, four four million dollars, six million dollars respectively. I I can't see them 
it's not that I can't see them adding impact players for those exceptions because we've seen it happen with the Cavs. We've seen it happen with the Warriors. It's that I don't know who would go to one of those situations for that much money when they could follow LeBron or KD in those situations for the same amount of money. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. Also, the second thing is that I am not necessarily sure that Carmelo Anthony will opt in to his player option. I, I, I think, as we've seen, Carmelo Anthony loves making sure that he's being paid handsomely for his talents, as well he should. Uh, but I think Carmelo's made enough money at this point. Now, t- uh, taking a $27 million bath and watching that money go down the drain, that's a tough thing. But if he has the opportunity to opt out, and follow one of his good friends, LeBron James, or, or follow you know one of his good friends, Chris Paul, uh, to whatever teams they go to, play with his friends, and most likely have a chance to win a, a championship and, and a system that's either A, m- more malleable to his talents, or B, uh, he's reporting to people, i.e. Chris Paul and LeBron James, that know him, respect him, and want him to be successful. So he trusts that if they say, hey, Carmelo, come off the bench. He's not going to say like he did in the Oklahoma City media day, AOP, they want me to come off the bench. He's not going to say that. He's going to say, you know what, LeBron, I hear you. Man, I messed up the quote. I, I say that every day. It's not, it's it's AOP, they say I got to come off the bench. Not they want me to come off the bench. I apologize. That's like my favorite Carmelo Anthony quote. Oh, man, I, I'm glad my girlfriend didn't hear that. She would be mad at me if I misquoted Melo like that. Um, But, but I, you know, I... I can see him leaving, and if he leaves, uh, e- even if he leaves, and then the Thunder re-sign Paul George, they still don't have a lot of space, and and it's not like the Thunder just need they're they're not one piece away, you know they need shooters with a, a with a with a s plural, um, and I and I I can't see them getting that for that cap room, so so that's the. That's the Paul George that's that's the not even involving Paul George reason why I think he would leave. Add on to all that information the fact that he's from LA. He's explicitly stated his desire to win in LA for his hometown team and be the next Kobe. And this is what I wanted to get to earlier when we talk about winners. I think we get a clouded view of what players mean when they say they want to win. I think players do want to win. I think the most important thing on a lot of players' mind is putting themselves in a position to win a ring. But I think a lot of players understand that right now, the Warriors are the best team in the league, and they will be for a while. And I don't think any team is in a rush to put themselves in a position where they can almost beat the Warriors. I think teams might be willing to put themselves, I mean, excuse me, I think players might be willing to put themselves in a position where they're in a situation they're happy with, with a front office that they trust and a roster that has promise and say, hey, maybe we won't win this year or next year, but we can grow as a team. I can grow as a leader. We can grow as an organization. And by the time I'm at the apex of my powers and young players are ready to step up and become solid role players and I am revered by the city and the organization, we can all be heroes together. I think that's what Paul George wants when he wants to win. The same way Kevin Durant didn't necessarily want to win with Oklahoma City. He wanted to win in a situation where he would be happy every single day. And he wasn't happy every single day with Russell Westbrook, but he's happy every single day now. And I think the day-to-day happiness of players has a lot to do with where they want to win. Um, well, you, okay, I have a couple of things. There's a lot, there's a lot yeah, to, to I say. I just went on a rant, so go ahead, by all means. <laughs> um, 
Well, first of all, I, as as this is just a little aside, but as much as everyone says Kevin Durant's happy every day, his uh, out his behavior off the court and on the court suggests there's some problems, some turmoil that's, in Kevin Durant's that's happiness that's since he's been on the Warriors. That's what I'll say about that. Um, second, um, you talked about trusting the front office and, um, and, and, and the roster around you. And I just have a question. Why, why would Paul George not trust the Oklahoma City Thunder front office? Sorry, I had ice in my mouth. I had to spit it out. Why would, they not, why would he not trust the Oklahoma City Thunder office? Hmm. Let's take a look-see. Resigned Serge Ibaka, betting on him instead of James Harden. Trade James Harden away for pennies on the dollar. I've said it on your podcast before, Hoops. Four quarters do not make a dollar in the NBA, and they traded my man for three quarters and two dimes and a nickel. So, you know, I, I they've made moves in the past which have shown me that, you know, maybe they're ready to gear up for a big push. For example, trading for Paul George, F- flipping flipping Victor Oladipo into Montes Sabonis into Paul George, trading for Al Carmelo Anthony, tra- trading, turning... Doug McDermott, and I'm not sure who else. Wow, it's, it's getting away from me. And that's oh, and his Cantor. Oh, yeah, the man. <laughs> oh, the Turkish guy himself. Turning <laughs> Doug McDermott and his Cantor into Mello. Yes, they have shown that they can make big splashes. But in terms of building a team for the future, they have shown ineptitude. I said ineptitude. And granted, I trust Sam Presti's drafting. I do. But they have shown a sort of short, sort of a short-sightedness when it comes to front office moves. Now, granted, the Lakers previously have definitely shown a short, short-sightedness with regards to front office moves with, with the Steve Nash trade and the Dwight Howard trade, so on and so forth. However, I, I, with barring, with exception to the most recent developments about Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka and sort of the miscommunication uh, about people's roles in the future, with, with exception to that whole situation, which is sort of a few days in the making, I think the Lakers have shown not only that they have uh, an eye to the future with their team building because they expressively say we have cap space, we have cap space, but also they've shown an ability to hit on their draft picks time and time and time again. You think about Clarkson, you think about Kuzma, you think about Josh Hart, even players like Alex Caruso from Summer League, not even a draft pick, just scooped him up. Even players like Thomas Bryant, who hasn't hasn't has a lot of NBA minutes, but he's been tearing it up in the G League. Uh, you know he's a he's a a tall lanky five with an outside shot who can play a little bit of four in order to stretch the floor for a five that that's more of a rim protector more of a traditional five. I, I mean the Lakers have shown an ability to build a team with very little uh, that that can surpass expectations. Um, and and I wouldn't say that the Thunder are so far ahead of the Lakers in that respect. Um, well, let's talk about drafting. Let's not forget that Sam Preston drafted not one. Not two, but three top ten players in the NBA currently. And James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. And Serge Ibaka falling off. But that's four very solid top players in the NBA. So I think the draft record speaks for itself. I think that's fair, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, The one thing, the one caveat I would say there is the fact that all those players, Serge Ibaka, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, those were all lottery picks. Right, those weren't late picks; those were lottery picks. And unfortunately, because Mister Triple Double is on your team, and he's going to force his way to at least twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five wins a year by himself, you're not going to get that many lottery picks. And like, yeah, Andre Robertson, he's a good player. Yeah, who who, who else on uh, uh, Jeremy Grant? Good player, like him a lot. Yeah, but I, I would rather have 
Steven Adams. Oh, excuse me. I, I would never disrespect Steven Adams on purpose. That is my apologies. <laughs> Great young center. Surprisingly, only like 24, 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like he's about 35. Sorry, I was about to quote, I was about to quote bad boys real quick. You look about 30. Um, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so yeah, I I I hear what you're saying. They've definitely shown an ability to hit on their hit on their lottery picks, and 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 you're right. You know, Sam Presti, and he's a shrewd guy. You know, he those trades that he made that I was ridiculing earlier, he made those trades with the with the long term future in mind. Um, and let's also not forget that after the year after they traded James Harden for Kevin Martin and I think Jeremy Lamb, um, that that year they went on to win. I think the most wins they've ever had in the Thunder organization. They had like 65 wins, and if it was for injuries in the playoffs. That team looked like they're ready to go back to the finals. So even though he did make that trade and lose Harden, they still had sustained excellence. I think that's something that Paul George has to see. Since they've been in Oklahoma City for the past 10 years, the Thunder have been in playoff contention and in championship contention pretty much every year after those first couple of years of rebuild. Right, I'm going to take exception to the phrase you used, championship contention. I'll, I'll, I will let you ride with just contention, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and, and, and you're, you're, you're right. Okay. I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to sully Sam Presti's name or the Oklahoma City Thunder's name. You're completely right. Their front office, uh, with regards to the the, with regards specifically to scouting and drafting, ha- has done extremely well. So I'll I'll give you that there. Um, I would say, however, that the Lakers have been able to do more with less or as much with less concerning later draft picks, second round picks, etc. Um, but but that's that's semantics. That that's splitting hairs at this point. Um, what I really want you you to hit on, and what I really want to hear your opinion of, is do you think Paul George wants to play for the Lakers? Because I believe that he wants to play for the Lakers. Point blank, ipso facto, habeas corpus, delorum ipsum, he wants to play for the <laughs> Lakers. And if he has an opportunity to make that happen, I just don't see why he would not. I think Paul George wants to play for the Lakers in a, in a fantasy world where the Lakers are closer to competing than they are now. I think in that situation, where Paul George feels he can be the piece to go in there and now they can compete actually, I think then, hands down, I think Paul George is going to the Lakers. But I think Paul George is smart. If Paul George looks at those Lakers and he sees that they're maybe, in a couple of years from now, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, all those guys will be ready to go now compete for championship. And maybe, maybe he'll sign a short-term deal and then come back a couple of years from now and go back to the Lakers. I can see that. But I don't think Paul George is going to jump up now to run to that Lakers team as they're currently constructed. Mainly because you don't think they're ready to win in the way that he's ready to win. Exactly. All right. That's a, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. So just to, where we're at now currently is Charles Diamond, Black Bruce Wayne, Rick Lampkins believes – that Paul George's desire to play for the team he wants to play for supersedes all these other things because he believes in Magic Johnson, grew up a Lakers fan. Uh, and you're saying that because of the situation that the team is in, it's a less attractive situation for him. Did we get that right? Exactly. Man, I, I can't tell you. I cannot wait until July 1st. Matter of fact, I might fly to and – oh. I'm gonna have to. Don't worry, Abu. I'm gonna knock that out. I'm not gonna tell the people where you at. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna fly to wherever you live, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna sit down. We're gonna break some bread. I'm gonna pop a bottle of Chianti, maybe some Merlot, some Malbec. <laughs> you know, I like my red wine. And, and we're gonna see. We're we're gonna wait. We're gonna wait it out, and we're gonna see. 
because I can't wait. I can't wait because because this this is this is this is why we play to borrow from the NBA itself. You know, um, th- yeah. this is this is a player saying, "Hey, I want to go here." A team saying, "Nah, we're not going to trade you there," and then trading them somewhere else. And we talk all the time about player liberty and player autonomy uh, and player movement. And I just believe that with all the uh, players who have sort of asserted themselves uh, over the past few years and, and going where they want to go, so much even – not just Kevin Durant and LeBron James. So much so is J.J. Redick. So, so much so is KCP taking the qualifying offer and leaving a situation he didn't want to be in. So much so is Nerlens Noel uh, taking a qualifying offer and, and leaving a situation he didn't want to be in. Even though that was messy because I'm pretty sure he hired like three different agents over the course of a year and, and walked away from like $17 million a year. But hey, who am I to judge? Um, you know, <laughs> I, I think that we're going to see this summer. It's going to be interesting what what type of power players wield um, and, and and how they're willing to execute that power. And, and I think Paul George being, you know, a top 15, I said it, top 15 player in the league, um, having the ability to possibly team up with another top you know, 15, 20 player in the league in Russell Westbrook or branch out, do his own thing, or possibly even see if he can convince, you know, someone else to join him in Lakerland. Uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting summer. We've had, you know, the past few summers have been interesting in seeing what players can do, um, and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, real quick, um, I, I don't want to harp too long on this, but just because, you know, we're talking about this summer, we're talking about Paul George to the Lakers, uh, I, I just wanted to get your opinion. There are a lot of Laker fans, a lot of NBA fans in general, honestly, that are talking all this LeBron to L.A. or Boogie to L.A. talk. As, a, as an unbiased outside perspective, what do you think about that chatter? Um, well, I think every – the whole LeBron to LA thing, I think it's a whole different conversation depending on like, like if you're right and the Lakers either trade for Paul George or Paul George says, Hey, tag the Lakers out. That's where I'm going. I think that is a whole, the whole landscape shifts. Cause I think players like Boogie and LeBron who maybe weren't really thinking too much about LA before, at least you give it a double take and say, you know, Paul George, Lonzo Ball, maybe Brandon Ingram. Um, like that, that is a little bit more of an appealing team with a player like Paul George. Um, do I, I don't really like deep down. I don't really think uh, LeBron's going to go to LA, but I think it, it'd be a different story if, like, as we get towards the end of the year, it's very clear. Or Paul George made it very clear that he's going to LA. Then I think a lot of teams, a lot of star players now, are going to give LA more more of a chance and give them interview, uh, give them meetings than they may not have done before. But if we really had to say it right now, I would say I don't think LeBron's going to LA. I think. Um, we talked on the pod yesterday. I think it's either he's going to stay in Cleveland or go to Houston, um, in my opinion. I'm actually of the opinion with you that LeBron's going to end up in Houston. It's funny. My roommate and I had a conversation about this a couple weeks ago, and we talked for maybe about 45 minutes about all the dominoes that would fall if LeBron went to Houston. Um, although I, I got to be completely transparent with you, I am one of those Lakers fans who, when I heard LeBron bought a house in L.A., I was like, oh, it's over. Oh, he's going to L.A. It's absolutely over. Um, as if rich and famous people don't want to live in the most one of the most nicest places in America uh, in the offseason. But, hey, you know, that's what that's what we do in sports, right? We, uh, we're a bit irrational. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned, you said, if Paul George does get traded to the Lakers. Now, right now, the Thunder are something like 11-3 something like and three in their past 14 games, something crazy like that. Um, they've been turning yeah. it on. Um, so I think the trade chatter has been, you know, a, a, a bit muted, uh, more muted at least than it was at the beginning of the season. Um, but say they take a little downturn 
Say they end up back below 500. Say even gasp the Pelicans, uh, 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 the Nuggets, you know, end up ahead of them in the standings. Come February, early February, Sam Presti might be looking around. He might be looking around and say, hey, what can I get for this guy? Uh, where can I trade this guy? And maybe, maybe he can get a better package from, from the Cavs. If the Cavs want to give up that Nets pick and, and, and give LeBron uh, and company one last chance in Cleveland, because I do think he's leaving Cleveland. I, I 100% believe LeBron is leaving Cleveland. He has no reason to stay in Cleveland unless he's buying the team from Dan Gilbert, which he very well might do. Um, may, may, but, but maybe he wants to build a little goodwill. Maybe, maybe Paul George says, hey, I'm going to L.A. next offseason. Trade me there. Trade me now. And unlike Kevin Pritchard, Sam Presti is not a heartless bastard or extremely ignorant and clouds his judgment due to his emotions. Sorry, I'm obviously never going to get a job with the Indiana Pacers. Um, maybe Sam Presti says, hey, you know what? He's going to L.A. What can we net for him? So let, let's, let's, just, let's just talk. L.A. fan, Oklahoma City fan, throw me out a little package. What would you accept for Paul George come February 3rd? All right. I mean, you guys don't have your pick this we year, We absolutely right? do not have our pick, and if you say that again, I'm going to cry. So don't mention draft picks. <laughs> yeah, because I was, what I was going to say is it, it, I feel like looking at Sam Presti's, you know, what he, how he usually makes trades, I feel like they'll try to trade for like a young piece and a, and a pick. But since you guys don't have a pick... Um, well, not to, you have I, I was going to say, not to interrupt you, we have um, a second round pick this year. It's either Chicago or Denver's. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Um, we have a second round pick this year and we also have the ability to trade, um, what 2019's draft pick because of the Stepien rule. We can't trade two in a row, but I believe we can trade, uh, 2019's draft pick. So we can trade a future first. Um, but come on now. Why are you talking about draft picks? All this talented potential young youth on the roster. Come on now, let's get let's get down to concrete. Let's get down to brass tacks. Because the way I look at it, I mean, I don't think I don't think they're gonna want Randall because you're gonna have to pay him this summer. He's he's a, he's gonna be his uh, he's a free agent, and they could lose him right there. So I don't think they're gonna want to trade for Randall. I I don't think the Lakers will give up Brandon Ingram. Absolutely not. Um, I don't think they're moving. Uh, it wouldn't make sense to, but I don't think they're moving Lonzo. I don't think the, the Thunder want Lonzo. Um, I. And I and I doubt. I feel like Kuzma's probably pretty much untouchable. Completely at this untouchable. Point too. <laughs> so if you look at them, then what what prospects are we talking about? We're talking about Josh Hart and well, Larry Nance. Slow, slow down there, hoops. Slow down there. So so you're telling me if if Magic Johnson called Sam Presti and, and you're a fly on the wall in uh, whatever arena you guys play in, <laughs> in the management <laughs> offices, you're a fly on the wall. If Magic Johnson says, "Hey, Jordan Clarkson." Julius Randle, Larry Nance, and 2019 first-round pick for Paul George. First and foremost, I don't even think we're giving all that up because the market for superstars has declined drastically. So keep that in mind when you're when you're thinking about these trades. So I, I'm going to take a step back. Realistically, I'm thinking Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, and Larry Nance. Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle. I'd take Clarkson. I think I actually forgot. I don't know how I forgot about Clarkson. Um, Clarkson would be. I think Clarkson would. Be, would be happy to have Carson. Um, Larry Nance is always a good pick. He's, he's a good fit, I think, in a lot of different. He's a versatile player, and and I guess you could take Randall too. You know, he is leaving. Um, that's not that's not a bad that's not a bad package at all. Um, if if the Thunder know for a fact that they're gonna have to trade Paul George, he's, there's no chance of him staying. I'd be okay with that package. Wow, I think we just figured it out right there. Although 
Although, in, in all honesty, uh, Larry Nance might be uh, – uh, he's not off limits, I'd say. But I think by trading Randall, um, they might want to give up someone else because Larry Nance is a really good plug-and-play player. He plays well around other good players um, because he just fills in the gaps. So what about Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randall, say Ivica Zubats? Oh, no, no, no Zubats? <laughs> I don't think anyone would. The Lakers wouldn't play Zubats. Like I don't, I don't think he, he's a, he's an old like he's an old school center. I don't think anyone's really looking for that anymore. I think they want the versatility. You want a player you like that? You, you have an old school. You have Stephen Adams. You could you could have Russell Westbrook and Stephen Adams, and then the poor man's Russell Westbrook and Stephen Adams and Jordan Clarkson and Ivica Zubats. <laughs> you'd have the same lineup coming off the bench. I think that's genius. I think Sam Presti would hop at it. Not really, obviously. Um. Yeah, because I, I think Steve has a lot more defensive versatility than Zubak. He could su- surprisingly move. He's pretty well, that's fair. For a big guy. That's fair. I mean, Zubas is also still a baby. Like he's still like twenty, twenty-one years old. I, like he's still got to use his lose his baby fat a little bit. But I, I think I think you're right. I, there was a there was a point in time last year where where Laker Nation was really like, "Ah, oh, Zubas is about to be, you know, the Lakers five for the future." And now he barely plays. You know. Uh, you know, he's yeah. still killing it in the G League. Shout out South Bay Lakers. Shout out Vander Blue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So, I, I mean, it, it, I think it would be tough to give up Nance and Julius in, in addition to Clarkson just because that, that leaves us. We, right now, we have a log jam at power forward. And in an instant, we would go from having a log jam to having one power forward in, in Kuzma, um, who I honestly, mm-hmm. I would like, I would like to, uh, I would like to see him play more three, but it is what it is. Um, but if if I have to give up Clarkson, Randall, and Nance for Paul George come February, I I think I could do it. If you know for sure he's leaving. Yeah, um, uh, I'm with you there. If you know for sure Paul George isn't coming back, I I think Clarkson's a really good pickup. Uh, he's been like a buck, pretty much getting a buck in a minute when he when he's been playing like for the Lakers off the bench for the Lakers this year. So Clarkson would be a great addition. Actually, I think that Clarkson addition to that deal is what makes it. Actually, so, you know, somewhat of attractive package. You heard it here first, Jordan Clarkson, the cherry on top. Um, <laughs> all right, well, that's 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 the that's a good conclusion for this conversation. Uh, thanks, Abu, very much uh, for for coming on and joining me on here on Basketball Reasons. No problem, man. Um, uh, before we go, I'm just going to hit you guys with the countdown. That is uh, one quick one minute little spiel of mine uh, before the buzzer sounds and we're out here uh, at Basketball Reasons. Uh, and the countdown is starting in three, two, one. This conversation is about Paul George's impending free agency, but I want to take it back. I want to think about how we got here in the first place. See, Paul George went to the Indiana Pacers front office and he said, hey guys, I'm probably not going to re-sign here as a free agent, so you should trade me so that you don't lose me for nothing. Then I want to think about Kevin Durant and how he kept his free agent decision quiet until the moment that article was published on the Players' Tribune where we all found out he was going to the Warriors. Now, I want to take it back to 2010 where LeBron James announced his decision with, well, the decision, a public spectacle in which, by the way, he raised over a million dollars for the Boys and Girls Clubs in Cleveland. Now look, I don't want to tell you how to be a fan of your team, but let's take a look at the results of each of those free agency decisions. Hmm, jerseys burned, jerseys burned, jerseys burned. 
Like I said before, you can root for your team how you want to root for your team. But it seems to me that no matter what a player does, if he leaves, he's always wrong. (laughs) We're always going to be offended. So how about we stop blaming the players for making decisions on what they want to do with their lives and we just enjoy the basketball as a result. And for God's sake, please don't burn an $80 piece of merchandise that you bought because they already got the money. That's the buzzer. I'm out. Thank you for joining us for another reason. Excuse me, another episode here at Basketball Reasons and uh, signing off for Hoops and Charles Diamond himself. Have a great week.